VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary Succession. I am one of your hosts. My name is Logan Roy, and I'm here with my co-host and eldest son, Conifer Roy. Hey, Pops. Good good to see you. Happy to be here. Just to know I'm with whatever you guys do. Get out of my fucking face. (laughs) Uh, But can I borrow some money? Well, everybody, welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the Succession Series. That's right. We have three seasons to go through, although you should look no further into that. There's no pun there. (laughs) Into the metaphor. (laughs) Yeah, because that immediately makes people be like, what? How fast does Succession happen? It it takes place over three years in uh, the world of uh, HBO. You know, as I say that, Alex, I have no idea. Pardon me. Logan, I have no clue uh, how many years pass inside of that film. Oh the, yeah, the, the show. Yeah, I, I get the sense I that it's like a, a, a couple years. I think so. Yeah, I feel like that's the case. They show they show time passing a couple times. Yeah, they do. Yeah, all um, I know is that they uh, the like they say, oh, we're gonna do this thing. We'll get the lawyers on it, and then like the next episode, they've like completely taken over and done something. Yeah, it takes like weeks and weeks right. of like financial things to like get you know sorted and signed that, and that's, like yeah ninety days and all that kind of stuff. That's classic TV writing where TV. you know you. Come Come back from you come back from summer break, right? Yeah, on your sitcom, mm-hmm. and the characters did so many crazy, big, expensive to film things, <laughs> and now they're back where it's cheap to yeah, produce, right here in this little studio. <laughs> well, if you're wondering what we're doing, here it is. This is a three-part series on Forest Succession. That's right. That uh, we had no choice but to parody. The HBO series Succession. Exactly. A very good show. Uh, and that's about as far as we get. That is, yeah, that's that's it. There's no don't like I said, don't look any further into this. Yeah. We I I you suggested that we we do that. And I was like, Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Like months and months ago. So I was like, I am going to do some research, right. which is just watching the show Succession. Oh yeah. I've gotten through most of it. And for those of you who also are new, I don't watch a lot of TV. So it's it it's ends true. up being this uh, you know, like, okay, Casey's gonna sit down for an hour and not do something. Thing, just watch this. That is the doing, Casey. Exactly. And that's what I have to learn again and yeah. figure that out. 
Uh, but so that's why it's taken us this long to actually do it because <laughs> I'm almost done with my research. <laughs> right. Finally. <laughs> Casey doesn't want to admit that he loves a TV show that's that's modern and popular. You know, it so is. he it's frames it as things. research for the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always what it is. Uh, I think anyway. I asked you to watch like two episodes to get a feeling for the characters and the yes. tone. Yes. Yeah. And then and here I we watch, are. And watch I'm, the whole thing. I'm very proud of you. Thank you, Alex. I'm very proud of myself. Um, so, so this is how it's going to work. There's three episodes. The first episode here, we're going to talk early succession. Exactly. Next episode, we're going to talk middle succession. Mm-hmm. And the last episode, you guessed it, That's we're going to talk late succession. Yes. So I think that before we talk about this week's tree, okay. which is... The Staghorn Sumac. Yes. Welcome, everybody. You're welcome. <laughs> we should define succession mm-hmm. in this first little part before we go to break, Case. I think that is a spectacular idea. So, succession is the easiest way to think about it is the literal sense of it, where we're using it in terms of succeeding, where something succeeds another thing, comes afterwards, mm-hmm. kind of transitions from A to B to C to D, and so on and so forth. As in the opposite of proceed. Uh, exactly, yes. Or yeah, precede, yeah, yeah. rather. Correct. So, succession is kind of this broad, larger theory in ecology that is the idea that um, an ecosystem or a habitat or a certain space given, you know, section of land will change over time and transform into a different structure with different components and different kind of everything to be considered. It all changes over time. Nothing is uh, a stagnant kind of, this is a forest and it's just like that. Right. It's always something that is dynamically moving. And they have done research and decided that it's a linear process. So it's not that you have something that's that could go left or right. It always goes from the left to the right. So it starts with essentially either nothing, like a new newly exposed area, like imagine a glacier uh, recedes, and now what used to be covered in ice is now exposed. There's new land to be colonized. Okay. Or something happens like a fire or, you know, logging or a giant thing comes through, destroys everything that was there, and now you just have essentially a blank slate that used to have something on it but doesn't anymore. And then that process starts. Can I ask a question about that? Yeah. How blank does the slate need to be to Ooh. be considered like a fresh start? Because if you cut down, I in, in my in my mind, I'm like, yeah, if you log, yeah, that's a fresh start. Yes. But it certainly you're knocking over cones that are dropping seeds on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. On the ground, or there might be some little you know shoots coming off of a. Yeah off of some tree that are already getting a head start. Yeah. Is that considered a fresh start? Exactly. That's it does. Oh, it is. That yeah. is. Okay. So you're talking about like cutting like the big fauna being taken down. Uh oh, yeah. Flora is what I mean. I always mix those up. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, that's what you got it. You you're you're we're going to get there by the end of this. You kill all the giant sloths. Yes, every single one of them and, and then fresh. giant sloth evolution starts again. Yes, yeah, so cool. Uh yes, I, essentially it's a disturbance is what they would call this. That would be the the kind of technical term for it, which would be uh it's also it's a broad term, so it could be logging is a disturbance, mm-hmm. forest fire, a giant windstorm, a big flood can be a disturbance. Okay, um, almost any of these things, insect or disease outbreaks that kill you know a bunch of everything. 
But it's usually in terms of a scale where if you have a small scale disturbance that's like a few trees mm-hmm. in a grove, that doesn't quite start succession over on a broad scale, on like oh. an ecological, environmental kind of scale. We're talking like acres of land. Exactly. Okay. It's always on a very on, on a much larger scale so that it's working at this, uh, this almost population level or at least the level of an entire forest rather than just a single... Uh, single or a small group of trees. Okay. So you have this big disturbance. You have this big event that kind of starts the clock back over. And the clock, once it's either started or started over, you then get certain very predictable patterns of the plants and animals that come into a space. And that then transitions from a certain cohort to another certain cohort to another certain cohort. And sometimes, you know, if you look on a look at it on a gradient, you have, you know, several different cohorts that are overlapping. But you also, if you just take snapshots, you can see a very early succession uh, place that has certain small plants, trees, shrubs, and certain mm-hmm. animals. Then you can take another snapshot of it halfway through this big, long process, and there's only a certain number of trees. They're all growing the same way, and a bunch of the things at the beginning have disappeared. They're no longer a part of this cohort. Okay. So these patterns, Casey. Uh-huh. Of like, we kind of know what's going to be in here yeah. for the first few months or year. Um, Actually, it's many years often. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, each stage of succession? Yes. Okay. And it also depends on the ecosystem. Of course. It depends on the place. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure it depends on a shit ton of things. Yes. Yeah. Um, Those are like guidelines, right? It's yeah. not like a hard, fast rule that after this amount of years, all this is going to disappear and then this is going to come in. Yes. It's like this overlapping sort of uh, general, we know we generally know what's happening in this forest. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's the right way to look at it. Often, scientists and loggers and foresters and people would look at it in a very rigid kind of timeline. Sure. Because that's also, better for their business, I guess. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. And they, they also manipulate it to put it in certain places at oh, certain wow. times okay. or to kind of push things to come quicker or slower, depending on whatever it is they're managing for. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. We have lots to get into in this, our early succession episode. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary Succession. You fucking morons. <laughs> Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary Succession. We, I think we need to really put an E on this one, like for the explicit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just because in the show, certainly there's <laughs> so much language. This is the one thing that I think so many students would be like, like teachers would be like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a great episode to share with my students. And it's right. just full of you fucking morons. I, I really, you know, I think, I think language, like, what do you what do you even call i guess it's called language you know language is a, it with is a capital l it I is guess. a thing yeah um 
I think language can be like really funny and like useful in writing. Yeah, of course. And then there are things that take it too far and make it like a crutch. But I don't oh, feel yeah. that way about Succession. I feel like oh. I feel like it's very realistic the way these people curse at each other. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably accurate. Yeah. If you like uh, a good comedy, a dark comedy, yeah. Succession is is pretty fucking dark and it pretty is, fucking it is, funny. It is pretty dark. Uh, Casey. We are not talking about Log and Roy today. No, we're here to talk about the Staghorn Sumac. Scientific name. Roos Typhina. Really? Yeah, isn't that a great one? That sounds like a, a Logan Roy uh, antagonist. Oh. Like his, the other media network is run by Roos Typhina. Yeah, Roos Typhina came over from like Central Europe. Yeah. Everyone's like, where's Roos from? Where's Roos? Germany. <laughs> cutthroat. Well, let's imagine that you and I, Casey, All right. are walking through our palatial grounds uh, at our, at our, uh, at our, at our, Winter home in New England. Thank you, which is where everyone goes for winter. Well, you know, I love the seasons. <laughs> and we come across some stag horn sumac. Let's ID this tree. And this sounds great, Alex. I should note that uh, we are walking probably uh, through a an abandoned field on our palatial grounds, okay. specifically, uh, which is, of course, succession. Ah, we'll get into a little bit more, uh, but that is where you're going to find a staghorn sumac. You'll find them all over the place, um, but they are, in my opinion, one of the classical species of plant that start to grow um, in that early succession phase. Okay. And they don't get very big. They grow very quickly, and they are adorable little kind of tree-like not trees. Well, the Oregon State website that we use for uh -huh. a lot of this stuff yeah. calls it a deciduous shrub yes. slash tree. Yep, it does. I have I have read uh, multiple places, including here, the bare minimum, the lowest uh, height that they have is 15 feet, which is essentially what we're calling a tree height. That's our cutoff, yeah. That's our cutoff, yeah. Okay. So I'll I would say... I'll give it to it, I think. Thank you. I think that counts. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's got a single stem, no? Well... It can have a single stem? Yeah, it can. It can have a single stem. All right. But that's kind of the thing about it is it grows from multiple different shoots that come up. So it um, will sprout like like almost obscenely much. Yeah. Where it'll... If you nick it, if you do anything, it'll just be like... And send out a new thing. Kind of like a, an aspen in this regard. Or like a willow? Yeah, but okay. but even even worse. Like, really? Yeah, because willows, if you nick them, they'll like they'll sprout from the base a lot. Yeah, but they won't necessarily have a root come out and then pop up a new sprout. You know, ten feet away. That's what the sumac does. Yes, and it will do it long after the main stem has died. Oh, this sounds like a nuisance. It is a nuisance. Yeah, that that's very fair. Okay. But funny thing that you say that so many early succession plants are considered nuisances or considered trash trees or something mm, like that because they they swarm the area they're like vultures yes. they're there for the carcass they colonize the the spaces that we just leave behind right so they people are like oh they're trash trees but mm -hmm. in an ecological sense 
there's just an empty niche that needs to be filled. They're, They're like, entrepreneurs. Well, that's an empty field. I'm going to go live in that great empty field where yeah. the, none of these pesky bigger trees are above me. So it is a small tree. Yeah. It's a, a tree that can generally have multiple stems, but also you can train it up to have a single stem that comes up and then pops out. Mm. But it's just, you know, you have to do a little bit of manipulation to make sure you can make that happen. Okay. But the big thing about it is that it has a gorgeous crown of very large, pinnately compound, alternately arranged leaves with something like 13 to 27 individual leaflets with one last leaflet right at the tip. So it's always going to be an odd number. Left, right, left, right, left, right, middle. I look at these leaves. You know what? I don't love them. You don't love them. I get oh. a little bit of, uh, I get a little bit of like prey awareness because I'm Ooh. like, that looks like a tree of heaven. Ah, yes. Very true. That's a, that is a perfect way to think about yeah. these. The big thing is they have way more serrations on the sides of their leaves and they yeah. don't have the little ear tree of heaven leaves on the inner underside of each leaflet closest to the, the main rachis that mm -hmm. uh, the central midrib that goes down the middle of the mid vein. Yeah. That on the leaflets, there'll be a little ear that All right. pops out. A little bump. Yeah, exactly. But not on our staghorn sumac. And they also don't smell. They don't have that same uh, rancid peanut smell as <laughs> as the beautiful tree of heaven does. Rancid peanut smell. Yeah, isn't that nice? Isn't that a put a good, like, hmm, like, pleasant like, thing? Like overused peanut oil. Yeah. Grandma, are, is that rancid peanuts in there? <laughs> That's so delicious. Thank Just you. for you. Uh, Grandma. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what these leaflets look like. They're, like I said, they're alternately arranged and they are alternately arranged on a spectacular little stem of Beautiful. a twig. It is covered in these little red hairs, all of the petiole covered in little red hairs. Mm -hmm. And it looks just like it's, uh, it's namesake the stag which is a male deer yeah. male deer when their new antlers come out they have uh velvet that grows on them that's right yeah and that's why they like rustle them rustle them away in like bushes and things to like rip the velvet off because apparently it's it's somewhat uncomfortable Aww. to them it's probably like itchy i think okay um i i think I don't really know that, but I can't think of any other reason why they would try to get it off. It's almost like a, it's almost like a baby. We talked about baby penguins last month. Yeah, right. <laughs> last episode. Yeah. Um, but pe baby penguins fur, they bet the molt it off. Right. Yeah. I'm sure it just lots kind of, of other birds. falls away. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have another visual analogy for the bark, Casey. Please. This is going to sound very weird and uncomfortable. Okay. I'm ready. Everyone you, sit down. You know, when you've, you've got a dog, right? Okay. And they roll over on their back. <laughs> And their bellies are exposed. Okay. Okay. You know the skin? Oh, I just love to pet that skin. Oh, like on their like belly? Like next to their thighs. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's like fuzzy, but it's not hairy, you <laughs> yes. know? Yes, yeah, And it's yeah, kind of yeah. pink because it's like tender little skin. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what this looks like. Oh, Alex, you're so tickled right now. <laughs> All right, that's okay. I'm, I need to interact okay with the with dog stat. I thought that you were going to take that in a completely different way from you know a little red thing that dogs have oh. when you flip them over, and I was like, Alex. Well, there's only there's only so many ways to say you know the skin right next to its dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think using the thighs as an example was way better. Well, that is what the beginning bark looks like. That's the the new growth on the twigs. Oh. As it gets older, the bark actually becomes way more like, um, it looks to me a little corky, like a cork bark oak, but it also has a, an appearance of like baked bread yeah. where like you maybe make a couple nicks in it, yeah. it kind of splits itself apart. 
that's what I think this kind of looks like. Totally. But very like reddish bronzish kind of color to it. It's like rustic loaf. Yeah, exactly. That's and what the that's what beautiful. the uh, color would be called if it were a paint. Yes, it would be. That's totally right. Yeah, if Crayola got their hands yes. on this, they'd be like, Yeah, this is rustic loaf. <laughs> Put it right next to your your dark macaroni. <laughs> Ugh, loaf of what? Yeah. Mm, hot. <laughs> That is, uh, those are, those are what they look like. And it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful barked tree. It doesn't really though get tall. So you can't really like see the, see the big stem, like kind of as a big statement piece, but it grows and grows out and then splits its stem and then has multiple little canopies. So it almost looks like kind of a rhododendron-esque yeah. kind of thing where it has a single or multiple stems that start really low and then it creates this just kind of big globular crown with this really interesting architecture in the inside of like the canopy. Like if you go underneath the tree, that the whole branch architecture. Barkitecture. So that is like from afar, from the leaf. The last thing that's just extremely notable yeah. about the staghorn sumac is the fruit which we've talked about just a little bit earlier. The fruit starts to develop in the kind of mid-summer. And then in the fall, late summer, it is good and ripe. And it's actually, the flowers are tall panicles. It's yeah. also a dioecious tree. There's male and female uh, um, individuals. Cool. So it has, the, the females have these big fruits that are on big, tall panicles that grow at the end of the branches. And these panicles then turn into this fruit, which is a bunch of individual droops, like our lovely uh, peaches and et cetera. And they're little tiny. They're also densely hairy with this red fuzz all over them. Yeah. So it's kind of like the most intense version of a of a peach that you can ever imagine with all this fuzz on it. Yeah, they've got the appearance of like a grandmother's sweater. Like those little, yes. you know, every grandma has a sweater that has like little red bobbles yes, on it. Yes, like a little red. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, but they're all jammed together in the size of like a pea. Okay. Do animals like to eat these? Do humans like to eat these? Uh, I know humans are animals. Yes. <laughs> Fair point fair question and the answer to both is yes okay although perhaps not a hundred percent yes yes for animals they do eat them they eat the seeds and then they poop them out somewhere else oh wait a minute humans yeah. make a tea out of them well i know that sumac is a spice yes yeah 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 so i have some in my and i have some in my spice cupboard here. you do yeah you should we should see what kind it is should we try some yeah i want to see what it is okay should we do that right now yes all right Okay, Casey, so I ran to the spice cupboard and grabbed my sumac. Yep. And you and I are going to do a little taste test here. We're going to do it right now. Three, two, one. Cheers. Mmm, spicy. I mean, it's very similar to... Kind of like a... um, Cilantro and... uh, What's what's the, the seed that comes from cilantro? Uh... Coriander. Coriander, yeah. It's bright. It's flashy. Yes. Yeah, I like that a lot. Citrusy. Yeah, unfortunately though, I did uh, I did some some research. It actually comes from Rus coriaria, oh, which okay. is a, a shrub found in the Mediterranean high areas like Sicily. I'm sure it's not all that different. Yeah, I don't think so. I bet you it's pretty uh, pretty similar. Regardless, it's delicious, and yeah. we usually use the staghorn sumac for a tea. You okay. take those t- you take those uh, those top flowers off when they're ready, mm-hmm. uh, the fruits ready, and then you toss them in some water, and they go blah 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 blah, blah and make a delicious tea out of them. So, Alex. 
The last thing, I know we said that the last thing would be the fruit, but the last, last thing mm. is the leaves. Right. Have you ever seen one of these in the fall? I've seen a picture, Casey. Okay. What did you think? From this Oregon State. Gorgeous. It is pants-shittingly amazing. It has this ombre of deep red to orange to light orange to yellow to green. It's like all of its color spectrum is on display at one time. Yes. It's beautiful. It is one of the most fiery plants in the world. Like, its color is off the charts. Yeah. Like, this is probably one of the top three color changers I can think of. Wow. Like, in terms of what I think of it, as well as, like, what is, like, kind of universally, yeah, that's beautiful, Mm -hmm. this one is in the top three. Wow. Yeah. It's just one of the most stunning uh, plants in the fall you could ever want to see. So, just you just got to love it. It's good-looking color. I... I'll save this. I'll save the bulk of this for my review. All right. I'm not. Right. A, I'm, I'm, I'm not crazy about its uh, morphology. Uh, well, that's okay. That's I, I think it's fair. just okay. That's okay. All right. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. But Casey, we're not here to talk about no. necessarily how this tree looks. Nope. Or the deliciousness that comes from its berries. Exactly. We are here to talk about its entrepreneurship. Yes. Exactly. In a barren field, mm-hmm. it it runs in. And it swoops up the real estate. Yes. And it does a great job doing it. Precisely. Let's talk early succession. Let's do it. So here is the thing about why this plant is good and what exactly early succession means in a forest. Okay. So early succession, as we've talked about, is the very first stage in a whole forest basically becoming itself. So every place at every point in time had nothing on it. Who knows how long ago that necessarily was, but generally speaking, it would have been a, a landscape that had either nothing but rock, nothing but uh, blank sand or soil or some kind of uh, glacial till that's just fallen out, which is essentially like sand to some degree. You're talking about the earth as a whole? Yeah, everywhere okay. at However some point. However many billions of years ago? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and then over uh, over time, uh, things colonize these spaces. So at the very beginning of succession, you have primary succession. Mm. So underneath the glacier where nothing can grow because there's you know miles of ice or whatever, mm-hmm. once that recedes, boom, you have new space. Nothing's ever been there before, at least recently. And now it's going to go and start to grow up. You also have secondary succession, which is when you had had something there prior, that was removed, and then everything starts again. Does that make sense? The two differences there? So what was the first one? Primary succession. Primary and secondary? Exactly. Okay, can I recap? You may. Just, I don't want to go forward without understanding this principle. That's a very good thing to do. Primary succession is if there was literally nothing there forever. no, No plant life, yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly there's this new swatch of land. Yeah. Swath? Swath, swatch, <laughs> swatch yeah, is one. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, and so things, life happens for the first time. Yes, there. Correct. Secondary, secondary succession is when there was something, uh-huh. and then it got wiped out by a failure. Uh, yeah, or, or a, uh, what, what did you call it? Just a disturbance. A disturbance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it starts. Stuff starts growing again. That's secondary success. Precisely. Okay. Now, the uh, another way to think about this is imagine like a volcano comes mm. through and lays down a bunch of new rock 
that also would beget primary succession. Right. Even if there was stuff underneath it, right. there is none of the buildup that usually is there. Yeah. So we're going to skip over that real fast because it's not really what we're talking about. Okay. It would start with lichen and then a small plant, maybe an annual would grow up wherever there's enough little bit of stuff that's been there. Then those things would live and die from thousands and thousands of years, create some amount of soil on top of those barren rocks, then that would be grass, then it would go to larger things. So we're going to start right there. Okay. So the other way to look at it is we're going to talk about secondary succession. One of the best ways to think about it in terms of a natural habitat is a fire comes through. Yeah. Fire comes through and it destroys all the tall living things that were in this area, whether it's a forest or a, you know, a bunch of shrubs, whatever it was, a fire comes through and kind of starts everything back at almost ground level. Mm. There are sometimes these relics of the last living things, which are the the big tall dead trees. You know, you can have standing snags or big uh, tall things that have fallen on the ground. Uh, these large pieces of woody debris, but nothing is is uh, is green and alive around right now. That's so. That's such a great imagery. The ruins of the old forest. Yeah, isn't know? it wild? Yeah. So. That is one way to think about it. You can also have blowdown where a big windstorm comes through and knocks down all the trees except for a few that are still strong enough to stand and they're they're still alive and living. What about a flood case? Yeah, floods totally do that. Okay. It would do it though um, if the flood was big enough to kind of wipe everything out. Right. Like just having something flood and then go back down doesn't really change anything. Yeah. It's a disturbance, but it hasn't like completely changed the the structure of a place. It just maybe have has more of a biological impact, sure. but not a structural impact. Introduces you know I mean? fish to the forest. And then everyone's <laughs> really confused. Now imagine I'm talking how pH that would go. fish. <laughs> oh, I'm Alex. not really. I that mean. was that was uh, that was just okay. Yeah, it wasn't clever. It wasn't very clever. Um. So, <laughs> so what about a? Now I like this game. What about a landslide? Landslide, great. That that's would, a that's a great destruction. That is destruction at its finest. Yeah. So that would actually do both at the same time. Maybe not both. I think it would be more of a primary succession at that point. I think so too. Yeah. Because the land is literally moving. Yes. So what do, what do, what what do you see when you walk into an early <laughs> succession forest? I ask you out. All right, Jerry. Uh, well, I guess you would see an early succession forest. Yeah. I guess you would see some staghorn sumac. Yeah. If you are in the Northeast, I will say this, because it doesn't sure. grow everywhere. Okay. But it is planted everywhere often. I will say, or other early succession trees. I'm assuming Tree of Heaven is an early succession tree. Yes, a lot of them would be, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm assuming you'd see a lot of grass. Yes. Because grass is just the king of growing fast. Right? So you've brought up a, a few things. You've missed one layer that hasn't quite got there yet. Well, animals, I guess. Uh, yes, yes, yes. But That's I was not thinking, the layer? No, I was thinking of the shrub layer. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. So you'd, you'd find some, uh, some shrubs. Exactly. It's weird how little I know about shrubs. Because I put all of my I put all of my scientific knowledge investment in trees. Yeah, oh, which is good. That's where everyone should put it. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. there's there's enough people that can. I mean, the shrubs will do their thing. Don't worry about them. You're a shrubist. Yeah, I, maybe I am. So what you noted here is all correct. 
All these things would come in at different times. So the big thing with an early succession forest, in, let's say it's a, an abandoned field. Okay. It used to be a forest. Someone turned it into a pasture. Now it's coming back. Um, what you would first see is whatever is already growing there, if it's grass, it will grow up and be uninhibited. It'll get as tall yeah. as it can. But you'll also have seeds come in from birds and other things, other things that fly in. And it's those really early succession trees that you start to see growing, early succession shrubs you start to see growing, and you generally get a flower herbaceous layer that comes mm. in. If it's a fire and there's no grass to begin with and it's a, in a forest and a big forest fire comes through, all of the dormant seeds that have been sitting in the soil for a really long time will then be like, my time is now. Wow. Because one of the biggest changes that happen in a forest, that happens in a forest, is new light. Oh, that is sure. The big thing. That's what tells them that it's time to go. Exactly. The resources now have completely opened up. Wow. There's way more water and there's going to be way more sunlight. Got a big question for you. Go for it. What happens to the mycorrhizal fungi? They are still there. Okay. But they often will come and go with whatever is growing in the soil. So if all of the trees die, then the mycorrhizal fungi is no longer connected to its tree network. They might be able to survive for mm. a little while in the ground, just kind of waiting for uh, a new tree to come and they'll maybe get some connections with some other plants here and there. But they could also sometimes just chill in the soil and just kind of eat and just kind of live on the soil without yeah. getting like really robust they oftentimes will be there. A great example is the morel mushroom. They will pop up after a giant forest fire and they'll just go whoop and they'll just be all over the place. Wow. That's one of their favorite things. And no one knows exactly why, yeah. but of course they think, well, it's a mycorrhizal fungi. So it has some cue that it takes from disturbance that then creates the, the mushrooms process, rather starts the mushrooms process of creating its fruiting body. Oh yeah, which creates more... Fungi. Exactly. Because it's, it's, it's like it's spreads. fruit. I, yeah. I guess fruiting body. Yeah. Right. Okay. And who knows? Like maybe it could be that the mushrooms like, wow, all my trees are gone. I need to sporulate and then go find myself other trees. Yeah. Or it could be that they like, great, nothing's here. Now all my spores can go land everywhere uninhibited by mm. anything. So there's a higher likelihood that it's going to succeed. Interesting. Who knows? We're not quite sure yet. 100%. Cool. Thank you for answering my question. Of course, anytime. As you are looking at this early succession forest, first thing you'll notice is you get these little grasses and these little herbs. Yeah. Either they are perennials that live underground and when the fire comes through, kills everything above it and then it just goes, eh, whatever, and it pops back up. Grass is a perfect example. Perennial being that it comes up every year. Correct, okay. yeah. And then you also have the dormant seeds in the kind of the seed, uh, the seed bank of soil okay. where they need all that light. So as soon as light comes in, when everything else is dead on top, then they go pop and they come out. And then you get this usual, um, in the first few years after a big disturbance, the first successional thing that you see is this intense herbaceous layer mm. where you get wildflowers all over the place, big, tall, beautiful grasses, and a lot of open space where you'll get birds coming through. Mm. A lot of birds love this habitat. 
essentially you have these big tall dead stems and that's where beetles will be living that's where other insects will be living oh, yeah. so woodpeckers flock to sure. these kinds of places you also get um as time goes on new shrub layers that maybe they survived maybe they just came in and they are blackberries and raspberries and huckleberries and other kinds of berries elderberries then you get birds and animals coming in to eat those mm. you get deer coming in and other ungulates and things that are herbaceous plant eaters because they'll be like oh delicious plants when they're not underneath the canopy of a tree you don't get them because they don't grow i think i'm seeing a pattern here okay what do you see it's like a snowball effect like one little thing moves in something that eats that moves in yeah which brings other little things Uh those new things grow something that eats that moves in yeah and so on and so on and so on and so on and each time they come in they usually bring something with them yeah. as well yeah i can imagine know. like a deer walking in and has to take a shit exactly and it's full of blackberries suddenly Perfect. you got blackberries yeah same thing with bear you know they'll yeah. do the whole thing as well okay all the birds will dump all of the seeds that they ate somewhere else in this new area yeah and this is where you get wow. Most of the issues in terms of uh, invasive things, because um, they invasive plants often are early succession plants. Mm. And someone brought this up to us um, in uh, sent us an email and said, "Well, you know, succession will um, does happen, but also invasive species suppress this kind of succession process." Oh, okay. And though this is correct, it's also the same process where um, the example that was given there was kudzu, which is this insanely invasive vine, and it will cover swaths of forest in like a dense carpet of vines, and nothing can grow up underneath it. However, if you are... Uh, a different kind of invasive species. What you do is you come in and you colonize in this early successional disturbed area just as well, but I guess most of the time better than the native species. And then you don't have anything that will come back on top and kind of keep you in check. Right. All of these other species that we're talking about have been doing this um, in their native habitat for you know millions of years potentially. So all of the balances are kind of in place. And you also get the situation where each stage makes it better for the next stage, rather sets the sets the 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 stage. The stage. Thank you, Alex, <laughs> for the next stage of succession. Wow. So the okay. big thing is uh, invasive species tend to throw that off because they're out of balance. I see. So they are though they would fill the same niche in their native habitat because they're not in their native habitat. They kind of are better competitors, so they stagnate the the process of succession though often depending on the species some are worse some are not as bad that process will still continue to happen and go through i see so this is like invasive species in an early successional forest is kind of like go time right yeah. it's like perfect conditions for them yeah exactly because there's very little competition already anyway you're you're spot on with i think how um that competition ends up working. Yeah. And that competition is ultimately what then leads into the next stage. So once you get those small herbaceous and grass layers, then you end up getting the shrubby layer. Yeah. That's where our staghorn sumac would start to come in. Sure. Okay. They would say, whoa, this is sweet. There's all this room in the world. A bird has eaten the berry from here and it's flown over and it's dropped it here. It then grows up. It's got a fast growth habit so it gets above this small layer and it just goes poof 
and it's like, I'm here, what's up? Send out my buddy over there, send out my buddy over there, what's up, you guys, this is cool, we got this great spot, now we're shading out all this stuff below us, all those things start to get kind of forced out. Mm. If you have larger shrubs, and then you also get very small trees that will be the bigger, later, later successional kind of things that come. Okay. So the very first thing is this, uh, when we start to get to the woody arboreal section, which is, you know, what we're really kind of focused on here. Being a tree podcast. Being a tree podcast. You get the shrubs and the small trees. Okay. And then you get the trees that are small but will be bigger. Those usually come in on the heels of the very first shrubs and things that come in. Hmm. And that's because the first things that come in create really nice little micro habitats, micro environments. Hmm. So the first ones, say, are um, our staghorn sumac. They start coming in, they shade the area around, and they then make it not quite so hot. But there's all these trees up above you. Everything's very moist and kind of cool underneath. I see. If that is not there, if it's an open field, if it is a newly disturbed habitat, you do not get the same coolness at the bottom, at the ground level. It's way hotter. So you need a drought-tolerant plant usually and a plant that can grow quickly and cover itself up and make a nice little shady canopy. Mm. Then the trees that are a little bit less uh, particular about shadiness and way more particular about drought tolerance, they will then slowly move in and say, hey, this looks like a really nice little spot. I'm going to put my roots down here and I'm going to shade tolerantly, move up through the crown of this tree that's in front of me or this shrub that's it's above me. And then over time, I will be the one that will win and shade out you. This is something it's the I slow game. It's the Gregory game. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's your that's your fan theory so yeah. far that Greg, Greg is going to take it all. Greg is going to take it all. Yeah. Um, I I this is something I did not know, but I guess it makes sense, and I feel silly for not knowing this. That late successional trees get their start in early succession. Exactly, yes. And then they just like keep pushing and keep pushing and they're the last one standing. That is perfectly described. I, I kind of, in my, in my ill logic, I kind of thought that these phases were sort of like big chunks of time. Ah, uh, yeah, like, like first this one. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like this one happens and then it ends. And then this one happens and then it ends. Yeah. And then the last one happens. And then, but it makes way more sense that a tree that grows to be, you know, 200 years old needs to get its start early on if it's going to like yeah. be a big, huge tree in a couple hundred years. Exactly. It's okay. like uh, in each one of those distinct groups, which is why at the beginning we said you have early, mid, and late, yeah. but those are just snapshots. Sure. But the in-between time, um, in order for one stage to end, it is ended by the next stage's development. I see. It gets outcompeted by the next stage. Exactly. Wow, okay. Yeah. I got it. So it at one time gives and builds the 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 foundation for the next stage to grow. Yeah. And that next stage slowly <sighs> tips the scales and then becomes the dominant kind of structure type. Wow. The one thing that is different that we'll talk about next week and then the week after is the way that those those 200 or 300 year old trees they don't necessarily start in the first succession that 
has where the middle stage trees come in. Oh. And this is why we chose a diminutive species that doesn't grow very big because it's essentially a glorified shrub. (laughs) It grows to a tree-like area, tree-like size, and then allows the next phase to grow underneath. Right. Whether that would be a pine tree on the east, a Douglas fir or an alder here out west, or a cottonwood in any of these places. Those things then say, all right, cool. I'm growing underneath this really nice big shrub layer. I'm feeling really comfy. I'm going to shoot up. Then I will take over this shrub layer, and now I am the dominant layer. Once those become a closed canopy forest of taller, let's say, alders, as I wink, (laughs) those trees then will dominate for maybe 60 or 80 years. Uh, then underneath the alders, that is where the late succession plants will be like, hey, this is beautiful. Mm. Way less competition because these alders have outcompeted all the other things except for maybe a smaller, a way smaller number of shrubs and plants that grow underneath. I see. So then these later succession trees that are way more shade tolerant will be like, hey, what's up? I'm just going to sit here. Don't worry about me. Everything's cool. You guys are doing great up there. And then 80 years later, the alders are now 120 years old, 160 years old. And they're just like, man, I'm falling apart. Mm. I put all my effort into growing fast and tall and I, I'm decaying from my feet up. And then there's this Douglas <sighs> fir. There's this this grand fir, this western red cedar, this yeah. western hemlock. Um, out east, it would be oak trees and sugar maples and beech trees. They would just be sitting there in the wings being like, oh yeah? Hmm. You, uh, maybe you should step aside, Logan. <laughs> and then they shoot up and then they take over. And now yeah. that's the transition as the, the mid-succession stuff slowly wanes and dies. Its canopy place gets taken by the late succession Very plants. Very good. So our staghorn sumac, to recap, starts out and covers a vast area, but it doesn't do it in an intense way. It does it in a uh, in a way that is... I'm going to take advantage of what this is right now. It's very, uh, what's that term that I'm looking for? Advantageous. Advantageous. Yes, that is a, that's a perfect term. It's not the one I'm thinking of, but mm. yes, that's 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 right. It comes in, it takes over what it can, it does... Opportunistic? Opportunistic. <sighs> Alex, you're so good. You're like a goddamn good source. <laughs> I couldn't let it go. No, neither could I. I was, I was still thinking about it as I was talking. Uh, but yeah, it becomes a... Uh, a, the early succession dominant big shrub small tree layer yeah. that makes the habitat underneath it more suitable for the next thing as that complexity starts to develop. Because mm. remember, throughout this entire early successional phase, things are growing, things are dying. It's the best habitat for a whole huge giant suite of plants and animals. And then as these first things come over and shade out the the understory, then that sets the stage for the next succession. And that's what our tree does and ends up growing on the edge habitat where there's, you know, maybe a river or something or a road or a path. The staghorn sumac was initially growing over this entire area. Then everywhere else, trees, big, big trees came over and said, move out of the way. Mm. Except for this little edge space where there's a fence line or a road or something where there's still some light. And that's where you get the sumacs at the end of their at the end of their days popping out from the side of the forest, being like, I'm still here. <laughs> I, I had a good run. I, this was so great. <laughs> Casey. 
I think it's a great time for our review of the Staghorn Sumac. But before we do, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more completely arbitrary succession. back to completely arbitrary that was our review uh excuse me that was our discussion of the staghorn sumac that's exactly right an early succession tree it's time for our review let's do it here's how it works we're gonna give some final thoughts on this sumac and give it a rating of zero to ten acquisitions <laughs> yes <laughs> golden acquisitions of honor <laughs> casey it's as like- our resident <laughs> pr person okay thank you begin with you yeah so let's see thank you for having me here i have a powerpoint can i can we go ahead and get that up thanks thank you thank you guys so the staghorn sumac early succession these kinds of things i i like early succession forests alex i really do i think they're i think they're a kind of forest that is beautiful Mm -hmm. in a very particular way However, I do want to note, for those of you who are listening and wondering why we're not talking about logging, we're going to do it later, but early succession is a, an interesting habitat type that's, interestingly enough, not very prevalent as it used to be, especially wherever we do logging, hmm. because we try to move past the early successional phase to the mid and late succession as soon and, and as quick as possible. And we're talking more, more on that next week, right? We are, yeah. And the shrub layer and the low tree layer is is something that is seen as bad, which is frustrating because it just it's it's just a different it's just a different layer. Do loggers you know? see that as like a waste of time? Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where if you have um, like, for instance, in um, finding the mother tree, Suzanne Samard talks about. Um, letting the alders grow up and then the Douglas fir will grow underneath alders and birches. And she's like, yeah, cause then it actually creates this mycorrhizal network between the two species that then gets the, the, the commercial one to grow quickly and very healthy and mortality is extremely low. Although it takes longer and people are like, yeah, well, this tree one is out competing and shading tree two. And she's like, yes, but that's tree two is doing fine. It's just doing it on its own schedule, not yours. Right. To which they respond. Yeah, that's why we have to change it. Oh my God. Um, And it's also something that a lot of loggers and clear cutters um, have argued saying this is why clear cutting is a good thing because we are cutting all the things down and starting succession over. Okay. It's not exactly accurate, you know? Yeah, like that's I just like said, a, yeah, right? That's definitely like a weighted yeah. argument. It's like, yeah, you did, but then afterwards you jump started the 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 later half of the very first successional mm. stages to try to get, you know, to try to move that through as quickly as possible. Yeah. If you go out to a native area that hasn't been managed at all and you look at the native 
uh, the native early succession things coming up. It's gorgeous. Like it's a really unique, beautiful ecosystem. So the staghorn sumac playing that role, it makes me really happy yeah. because the complexity of it is is there. If you know what you're looking at and you can see the change as it's happening, like again, the snapshot of the change, it's really a stunning, cool tree to have growing, doing its thing. Give it enough time, things will take it over, it will die, it'll decay, you'll never even know it was there until the next disturbance comes through and then it pops back up again because maybe there's a a seed that's dormant uh, or another bird comes in because there's another place that had a bunch of staghorn sumacs that came and planted it. Also, it is so stunningly gorgeous. I just, I, I cannot speak more highly of its fall color. Yeah. So the role that it plays, I think, is a delight. It does become semi-invasive. It does not really grow to be a huge, giant tree. So I think it should not really be planted. I think you should leave it and let it do its own thing. Yeah, it sounds like it doesn't need to be planted. It, it really doesn't. And honestly, if you do, you're going to have such a hard time getting rid of it. And I'm going to give this a solid 7.3. Very good. 7.3 for this tree that is, it's a small tree. It doesn't, it's got not, the only superlative it has is that it will blow you away with its firepower. Well, yeah, it's 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 a testament to how you feel about this tree. It's such a small tree mm-hmm. and you love a big tree. Love a big tree, but it shows that you know you love so much other, so many other things about this tree. Exactly, this is me showing that my values, it, when it comes to golden acquisitions of honor, yeah, they can take a lot of forms. That's right. Exactly. Now, Alex, as our resident woodpecker, <laughs> thank you, bringing all the seeds everywhere, eating all them bugs. Oh, right. Okay. I guess they don't really eat seeds, so not that I have yeah. a wooden pecker no 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 no. you are you are i don't know who told you that but it's not true stop it you guys internet please everybody keeps saying this calm down and they're the i raced the picture i mean the pictures never existed (laughs) (laughs) well anyway for whatever you are what do you think about this uh this interesting species thank you doctor Mm -hmm. uh i think this i don't know I'm Talk us through. Talk okay, us through. I, I, I don't really feel anything for it as a tree. Oh. Okay. I honestly think it's a hyphenated shrub tree. Mm, like, yeah. It, 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 it reminds me more of a rhododendron than it does, you know, uh, a maple tree or whatever. All right, that's fair. Um, Which is fine. It is. It's okay. It's okay. I like the color. I don't like the leaves. That's right. Um, they remind me too much of Tree of Heaven, yeah. and I have had way enough of Tree of Heaven for mm-hmm. one lifetime. Okay. I uh, I love the berries and the and the fact that and I'm I'm sort of giving this to you know that other species of sumac. Yeah. Are you okay? What was that? I am. I just dropped my water bottle okay. on the floor. It was closed though. Yes. Okay. Very, it was empty. You looked at me like I was going to be mad at you. It's because it made noise. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I know this is from a different species, but I love sumac. Yeah, okay. It goes great in so many things. I like. I had never had a bottle, and I bought a bottle, and I started just like trying it in different stuff. Yeah. I like it particularly in salad dressings, hmm. especially make a Greek salad. Yeah. Throw some sumac in that dressing. Makes sense. It's from the uh, the Mediterranean. That's right, Casey. Okay. Uh, sumac chicken is a delicious. Ah. You marinate it in like a sumac uh, uh, and uh, buttermilk mixture. You know? Okay. Sounds um, great. Yeah. 
As a tree, I'm sort of so-so. Okay. I love what happens after it. As an early successional like uh, character, mm-hmm. I think it's great. Everybody mm-hmm. needs a niche, and it found it, its niche. Mm-hmm. And um, it's too bad that logging companies want to skip over that part. Yeah. Because uh, it sounds like a nice little habitat for a lot of little creatures. It really is, yeah. So I'm going to give it... I'm going to give the sumac a 6.8. 6.8. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. Know. It's better than a lot of trees, but it's not as good as some. It's true, Casey. It's right in the middle of that upper curve, right? uh, just uh, yeah. below the middle of that upper yeah, curve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's right there. Um, yeah. It just feels appropriate to me. I agree. That was our review of the staghorn sumac. Oh, I, I, I want to revise my score, Casey. Ooh. I forgot about its fuzzy adolescent uh, twig. Yeah. I'm adding point four for that wow that puts it at uh that puts it at 7.2 yeah wow that's a that's a one less than what i said there you go spectacular yep wow okay. that was our <laughs> that was our revised review of the staghorn sumac casey it's time for a game oh let's play it let's do it what it's do we, one we haven't done in a while oh. but gosh could i not think of a better example of when to play it this is family tree do i remember the words we're gonna find out it's a common condition in this day and age The Casey and Alex anthropomorphize a tree Is it Zeus of Olympus or Saruman? Some people say it's even Admiral Thrawn Deep cut. You know there must be some kind of rules To this stupid game But all we could see is an opportunity For a segment for completely arbitrary Maybe Jean-Luc Picard is an elm of some kind And the kid from Up is a ponderosa pine There's room for yous, mahogany's There's room for the hosts to disagree It's a podcast game called The Family Tree It's been a bit. That was just as good as the first time. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Casey. I love that. So Here's much. how this game works. We are going to take some set of characters from some canon or other. Mm-hmm. It could be a, a pantheon of gods. It could be the cast of a sitcom. We're going to assign each of them a tree based on their physical appearance, sure, but mostly their personality and their character. Exactly. That best fits them. As this is the first episode of our Succession series, Casey. Alex. This is Family Tree Succession Edition. Yes. The biggest, scariest tree of them all. Yep. All right. Okay. So let's go through the characters of Succession. All right, Alex. Here we go. If you've never seen the show, pause, go watch an episode and come back. We'll wait. <laughs> this is going to be our longest episode ever. All right, Case, let's start with uh, <laughs> just like 40 hours of dead air. <laughs> <laughs> For them to watch all, right, all of Succession. <laughs> let's start with Kendall Roy. Oh, right. Played oh, by Jeremy Kendall Strong. Boy. Okay. He is the second eldest of the Roy children. Yeah. And he 
wants to succeed his father's business. He's supposed to be the shoe in. He's yes. supposed to that was he was that was the expectation. He's the heir to the throne. Yes, heir apparent actually I think it should be said. Very good, Casey. So, and he also is um he's a little insecure uh about yeah. himself. He doesn't he he at one point is like I'm really good. I know what I'm doing. And then at the other point, is like, I'm cool. What's up? I, 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 well, hey, I, yeah. I, I'm, 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 I can take this. I'm good. He's kind of got um, Michael Bluth syndrome. If you ever watched Arrested Development? Yeah. Okay. Which just has like a really fucked up relationship with his father. Yeah. And so much of his personality is about pleasing or impressing uh or hurting his father. Yeah, it kind of goes back and forth. Like it has these big swings. Yeah. So yeah. So he's also. I mean, he's a he's a billionaire for sure. Yep. So the question is, what sort of tree is he? <laughs> right. He's also. Yeah. I, I also like the idea that he's he's not as cool as he thinks he is. Like, and he's not as smart as he thinks he is. Yes. But at the same time, he is really smart. Yes, he's very smart. But he's he's, he's also like kind of continually outplayed. Yeah, which is which is curious. Yeah, he does he does do that. As far as I remember, I haven't yeah, watched the show, but we we were talking before we were started recording that you were actually the the uh, the premier uh, authority on this show right now between the two yes, of us because I am like in the middle of almost finishing it. Yeah, and I yeah. watched it two years ago. Yes, okay, so that's on me. Or a year ago, I don't know. Okay, well, honestly, I would say, and this is just also maybe a good predictor for the show. He's mid-succession. I'm 100% with you. He gets outplayed all the time. Yeah. He also outplays and can outshine. Yep. So he's neither at the end or at the middle. So that's where I think his species profile would be. I'm feeling like he's some sort of ash. An ash tree. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Because I was thinking also the um, the Liriodendron tulipifera, the uh, Ooh, the tulip, tulip. poplar. Okay. They grow quickly. They pop up. They they are good at what they do, but they are also, they get big. Like, they loom large. Yeah. But at the same time, they're kind of pushovers to a certain extent. Like, they, they can be the biggest tree, but... Eh, they'll they'll get eaten if they if you give them the chance they'll fall over. There's other trees that'll take them out, no problem. Is there a, is there a weeping version of a of that kind of tree? Because he's very <laughs> sad. Yeah, he is very sad. So yeah, maybe that maybe that does put us more towards an ash where their their doom is is always imminent. <laughs> yeah, he always looks like a sad donkey. Yeah, I honestly I think that that should make like a uh, an Oregon white ash is what I would say. Oh, okay. Then. Where Oregon white ashes are usually beautiful trees, but they're not like elegant trees, um, the way the American or the green ash or even the raywood ash would be. But they are also, uh, they're mid-succession, but they also grow in um, kind of riparian areas. But as soon as another tree would take over, um, they would get outcompeted for sure. Sure. I like it, Case. All right, there you go. Let's go uh, Oregon white ash for the old Roy boy number two. Roy boy. <laughs> All right. Next, Who the Roy girl. Oh, Siobhan. Siobhan. Shiv, if you're nasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Siobhan's personality. Yeah. She's pretty, I mean, she. I would say she's one of the smarter Roys. Yes, she's whip crack smart, as they yes. say. And she's very, uh, very funny and mm-hmm. witty and mm-hmm. quick. She has a very quick wit. Yes, 
and also is a quick um, a quick thinker in terms of uh, analyzing a situation, deciding what's the best yeah. to do. And she's also very very cool. Like, yeah, she's she very cool. She sits down, she reclines, and is a, I think as a character, is someone who is never given the credit that she deserves. Yes. And I think a lot of it is, you're the woman, Shiv, sorry. For sure, that's part of it, yeah. yeah. When she's also like a political analyst, but everyone like, she worked her way into that, got very good at it, and everyone's like, oh, honey, yeah. you're, you're not cut out for, for business side of things. Yeah, so a tree that's undervalued yeah. and underappreciated. But is like, Good. Yeah, but is 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 good at assess like you said assessing a situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe an early succession tree. I don't know if early succession quite does it because no? uh, I think she has a later succession because she's so smart. Like I feel okay. like she could be a a situation um, here. Actually, might be it. I don't know the the size. The size may not quite add up, but I see her more as a a madrone kind of thing. Oh yeah, where succession uh, plays a role, where madrone can get in there and start growing from you know early succession. It'll mm-hmm. grow back after a fire from its old stump, but it also is good at navigating all the other little things and places mm. where you have, you know, your new Douglas Fir and Ponderosa Pine grew up as well, and they're like, oh, move out of the way, Madrone. And Madrone's like, okay, moves out of the way, but yeah. never stops growing. Totally. So I, I don't know, I might, I might go there with, uh, with this, but I might also go for another species that's a little more shade tolerant. We might consider, and I don't know if this is shade tolerant, but Japanese maple. Yeah, which I kind would of like so. you know snakes its way out and finds little dapples of light where yeah. it can. I think the only reason I would maybe move away from that is that the Japanese maple kind of stays in the understory. It doesn't have ambitions to be at the top. Casey, that's a really good point. And that's where I think Shiv would would really really change. She certainly has ambition. A tan oak, maybe, where it's a tree that will grow up quickly and then dominate but then as everything else grows up around it it still maintains its dominance i love that so yeah Hmm. See how fun this is when you really know the characters. It is really great. I see what you're saying. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna say drone. Uh, I think that's what I think that's what I'm gonna stick with. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick yeah. with you, Case. And also, just because sometimes you can you can make these connections, she does have red hair. That's true. Madrone does have very red bark. That's right. So anyway, that did to, not go lost on me. Okay. Wait, did right. not go. That was not lost. on That me. was not lost on me. Okay, gotcha. Next, what do we got, Alex? The big man himself. Ooh, Logan. <laughs> Logan Roy, <laughs> Logan Roy, ooh, the okay. uh, the media magnate and uh-huh. patriarch of the Roy family. Yep. Um, boy, Init- initially a, born in Scotland. That's right. Immigrated to the United States. He kind of came from nothing, mm-hmm. and he, he was raised by I think um, relatives. Yeah, like his aunt and uncle. Yeah, I can't recall honestly. Okay, in Canada, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um. And he is, I don't know, a fucking trillionaire. Yeah. Very cutthroat. Very cutthroat. Yeah. Very smart. Um, but also has like a quiet wisdom. Everybody on the show is so is such a blatherer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like trying to show each other how smart and quick-witted mm. they are. Yeah, and, and just he just like there. sits silently and then waits for the perfect time and lands a bomb on everybody. And it was like, "Oh my god." Yeah. He is that good. When you think that you've outplayed him. Yeah. 
and he'll wait till the last second to reveal that you haven't, and he's been three steps ahead of you the whole time. Yeah. Ooh, God, that one's hard. This one's real hard. He's also a bit of a dick. Oh yeah. Like that should be that should be known pretty pretty outright. Yeah, he's a bad father and an asshole for sure. <laughs> yeah. So let's keep these things in mind. Mm-hmm. Oh man, honestly, I'm trying to think of a of a tree that gets that looms large, that is big, and that won't let you take it over, even if you wanted to. Mm. And the first thing that comes to my mind is like a sequoia. But I don't know if that gives too much like gravitas. You know, I think he's he's got the gravitas. He's the biggest. You know, he's the he's he stands there and is like nothing is gonna beat it. Once it gets to that point, becomes the biggest. Fire isn't going to take it down. The next biggest tree yeah. grows as high as it can and is still a hundred feet short. You have no insects that you know attack it and kill it. It's only pretty much big windstorms and people in big fire. Here's another thing to consider. He's on his way out. Oh, he's dying. Well, he at least you know yeah. is, is done oh, retiring. Uh, um, uh-huh. And uh-huh. I will say that he has big oak energy to me yeah i do feel that as well i was very zeusian yeah i was thinking um something like a quercus virginiana Mm. the the coast live oak over in the southeast united states they're very big and they just always take over but they don't get very tall and very large necessarily they're not a a high species but Mm. they get wide i also think of um of like the banyan like our strangler fig I think that would be a good option, or oh, maybe the Kari. That would be okay. That might. That's where. That, that's. I'm. I'm. I'm feeling it now, Alex. Okay. Okay. Can I suggest? Can I throw a wrench in the works? Oh, of course. Bristlecone pine. Yes. Maybe. Long term, I think. Yeah, bristlecone pines have the longevity, right? Mm-hmm. And they're always kind of constantly able to be like, oh, I got it now. Yet yeah, then there's that one strip of bark that's still alive, maybe. And they're and they're. Elevation wise, certainly above the rest. They are. They are above the rest. Maybe that's two on the nose. It might be because there's no other competition. There's that's nothing true. vying for the bristlecone's place. So I feel like it has to be a tree that has been like it's it's uh, elbowed its way through yeah. everything, and things are still always trying to take it down. Yet it constantly is like, no, not you, not not anybody. I kind of like the the um, coast live oak. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's what we. Or can the cowrie. The cowrie is good too. Let's land on the cowrie because the cowrie is a god. It's a god, but it is disappearing it's been cut down there's only a few big ones left very good and you can only deal with all the new forest trying to come up and take over its throne perfect all right let's stick with that last but certainly not least and in fact certainly most cousin greg cousin greg oh yeah baby (laughs) uh cousin greg is a putz, I guess. A, a, you know, looks like a bumbling fool, but is he a bumbling fool? Yeah, he's he's like he's sort of like the well, I think literally his mother sent him to be with that family. Yeah, to like get her get his chops essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he is uh, awkward, bumbling. Yeah. Uh, he is constantly putting his foot in his mouth. Yeah. Constantly seeing things that he isn't meant to be seeing. He's uh, sort of like haphazard. Like he'll just end up somewhere and suddenly be a part of a bigger scandal against his will. Yes. Yeah. That's a yeah perfect. Exa- yeah. That's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's also 
six five. He's he's a tall man. He's a very tall man. <laughs> she's really ironic because everyone else is shorter than him, but he's like the dumb one. Yeah, yeah isn't he, it? Isn't he six seven? Uh, is it? Is that what we looked I, up? I believe so. Yeah, Jeez, he's the six, actor who seven. plays him is six seven. My goodness, um, I am not a tall person. I realize this. No, constantly. I'm not even a tall person. Yes, but you also are a tall person. <laughs> like, coming from me, I know when somebody is tall to me, they're really tall. Yes, yeah, that's very fair. Okay. Anything above six two is like really tall. Jeez, okay. I well, wish I was six five. That'd be cool. Really? Yeah. Jeez. Are you six two? I'm six two, yeah. Oh my god. I'm I'm not even six. Are you five ten? Five ten, yeah. Okay. At, at five ten wearing shoes. Sure. Kind of thing. Wearing heels. Yeah. Wearing, yeah, <laughs> like three inch heels. <laughs> Siobhan heels. <laughs> All right, cousin okay. Greg, what do you think, Case? Honestly, is it um is it bad that I want to say like timber bamboo? <laughs> no that's great because he <laughs> kind of always finds himself wherever uh like has somehow taken hold and spread his 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 gregness yeah around yeah. everyone's like greg okay greg yeah he's greg he's greg so he's spread himself he's very tall and spindly yet apparently very strong to take you know whatever it is that he's doing and is also like like doesn't really fit in with the rest of the forest trees. Mm. It's just doing its thing. Bamboo will grow, but it's not a tree in the traditional sense. In a family of trees, he's not really a tree. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's the first one. What do you, what do you think, Alex? I think that's actually great. And, it's, and there's another layer to this that, you know, bamboo is a commercial product mm-hmm. and Cousin Greg is constantly being manipulated and used by the rest of the family oh. for their ends because ah. he's just like, He's just a fucking easy pawn. Yeah. Especially uh, Tom. Yeah. Oh, He's sort Tom. of Tom's little pet or something. He is, yeah, in a really weird way. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that whole thing yet. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> uh, I think bamboo's great, Case. Okay, there you go. Timber bamboo specifically. So Timber one, bamboo. one of the big tall ones that gets like six inches around. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like 40 feet tall. Wonderful. All right, sick. Nice job. Hey, that was Greg. family tree. Good job. All right. Well done, Alex. Oh, I'm excited to do the rest of uh, the rest of the crew next time. Oh, is that what we're doing? Maybe the next time after that. I think next time we'll we'll play like uh, I don't know what's a rich person card game like bridge. Oh yeah, we'll just do bridge. Uh, craps where we always bet everything. Rummy. Mm, yeah, that's what that'll be. Great radio. <laughs> yeah, just the sound of dice rolling and cards being shuffled. Yeah. That was Family Tree. Casey, it's time for a completely arbitrary Q&A. Oh, right. We've got a question from a host favorite, Sage Miner. Ah, Sage, how you doing? Hello, Sage. Good to see you. A long, 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 long time listener, like day one, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sage says, this is a bit of an etymology question, Hmm. but I've noticed some people using sycamore and maple interchangeably. I think it might be more prevalent in Europe, but maybe it's other places too. Why is there this confusion when they are two totally different genre? It's annoying, but maybe I'll rethink it if there's any reasoning behind misidentification. Thank you. Thank you, Sage. Very well-asked question. Yeah. So, Casey, I didn't know this, that people called sage, uh, sages. Yeah. Maples. Do. Yeah, this is Maple Miner uh, here. Over in Europe, we call it, call it Sage Miner. <laughs> Maples and sycamores, uh, that's d- interchangeably. Yes, yeah, yeah, very often, and it's in fact kind of a funny thing because if you go to England, they would call 
a sycamore, the sycamore maple that we refer to here. Wow. So I am not 100% sure. I haven't really given a lot of looking into it, uh-huh. but there is a species of maple that is Acer pseudoplatinus. Platinus is the genus for sycamores or plane trees. Right. So this is literally the false sycamore maple. It's like calling a, a Douglas fir a fir tree. Yes, exactly. Well, sort it, of. Well, it's more like calling it a... Um, a pine tree. Or yeah, because it's pseudosuga, so it's actually calling it a hemlock. Right. False a hemlock. false hemlock, right. right? So for that, if you go to England, they would just call that tree a sycamore. And we would say, well, that's not a sycamore because a sycamore is in platinus. I got you. So in that case, um, that is, I think, where a perfect example of what this is. I think over in Europe, or at least in English-speaking Europe, England, they call that one tree the sycamore. Yeah. And the other trees that are maples would be a different kind of tree entirely. They say, oh, well, that's the <clears throat> that's a maple. It's a, But what? They have the Norway maple and then the sycamore. And then the plane tree, which is the London plane tree. But we learned, because we were like, this is an etymology question. We should probably look into it. That's right. So we looked up the uh, the etymology, and it actually is a very interesting uh, thing that we found out, Sage. Take it away, Alex. Okay, so <laughs> maple, it's one of those things that's like, comes from Old English. Also... Old Norse, blah, blah, blah. also Old Saxon, blah, blah, blah. Middle Low German, blah, blah, blah. Proto Germanic, blah, blah, blah. At the very end of this paragraph, but the connection and origins are mysterious. Are mysterious. We don't know the origin of the word maple. Yeah, it's just really interesting. Like, I had no idea. I, I, I feel like it would have come from somewhere. But one thing that is interesting about this is that the leaves of maples and sycamores look really similar. Right. They're the, the same kind of palmately um, lobed, palmately veined leaves. Obviously, the maples in Acer, those are all oppositely arranged. Mm. And in not Acer, the sycamores in Platinus, those are alternately arranged. So they look really similar. And they, those two, in fact, look similar because the, the bark of the sycamore maple, Acer pseudoplatinus, actually peels off a little bit. Like it kind of falls off in puzzle piece like flakes. So they even have like this kind of similarity in bark. Interesting. So I would imagine that they called them the same thing because uh, they're like, yeah, this is, we thought these were the same trees way, 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 way back when. But then it turns out there's also a fun thing about the sycamore. That's Take it away, Alex. <laughs> Thanks, Case. The sycamore, mid-14th century, sycamore, spelled slightly different. I'm, I'm assuming pronounced somewhat the same. Yeah. Which means mulberry-leaved fig tree. I love that. From Old French and Latin, sycamorus, and from the Greek, sycamorus, meaning African fig tree, Literally, fig hyphen mulberry. Yeah. They thought that those trees of the leaves looked so similar that they smashed them together. And then it became its own word. Yeah, exactly. And we still use today. Very classic. I love that. Like, Germans are famous for doing this. Like, they just take two words and smash them together, and then oh, they have yeah. a third word. For sure. Hey, umwelt, huh? Yeah, right? It's That's just... a great example of a word with a very rich, detailed meaning exactly that we don't have a word for in English. We'd yeah. have to say a whole sentence to describe what it means. Exactly. So that's perfect. Um, so I don't know. The The reason that they get um, intertwined is because one tree, at least in particular, 
has two different names. Yeah. One, they just call it the Sycamore, and then all the other things are a little bit different. Or maybe they're the same, but we, we again, in our folk taxonomy, before we did um, separated everything from genus and species and all that, we just had two sycamores. There's that sycamore over there with those funny opposite leaves, and then there's this sycamore down over here that has these weird fruit that's nothing like the other one. Anyway, interesting trees. <laughs> that's what I think might have happened. There you have it. Thank you so much, Sage, for your question. If you've got a question for us, join the Patreon at the $3 Quercus and Alder tier. That's Q and A. If you don't get yours read on the on a mainline episode like this one, we do intermittent Q&A episodes mm-hmm. on Patreon where we'll read and answer every single question in one marathon record. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Above that tier is $5, the Arboretum. You get two bonus episodes a month. About various mm-hmm. things, other related topics and trees, we like to say. Above that, the Cone of the Month Club. The Cone of the Month Club is a classic here at Completely Arbitrary. Sure <laughs> yeah. is. I've turned into a QVC guy. <laughs> um, the Cone of the Month Club, you join for 10 bucks a month. You mm-hmm. also get the Arboretum episodes and the Q&As. Mm-hmm. Plus, every month we have an artist illustrate a different species of cone, conifer cone. We make a sticker out of it. We put it in an envelope. We put a little info card in there with some information on that species. We send it off in the mail to you, USPS. We do international. We do domestic. It's a great time. It's very much fun. And if you join, you actually get access to the Hidden Cone store. And you can actually purchase at a discount all the cones from the previous months. Above that? Arbitrary Plus, you get two live streams a month, one with Casey and I. And one of those live streams is just me playing a tree or nature-themed video game. Very cozy. Put it on and hang out in the chat with us. That's right. We just love it. Above that, the generous admission starts at 20 bucks. You can make it anything you want. You get all of the previous tiers rewards. Mm-hmm. Plus, you're just giving us a little extra to do fun projects. Casey. Alex Croson, well done today. Well done to you. This is... Con- Thus concludes episode one of our succession series. Exactly. Now, stop by next week for our next episode where we'll be going a step further in time. (laughs) We should do one of those... it's obviously not, but we should do one of those like HBO, like next time. Oh, on, on next time on Succession. <laughs> <laughs> All the trees start coming down. Without knowing it, everything has changed. I thought I told you to get those fucking permits. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Complete Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Uh, bye. Bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Succession original soundtrack by Nicholas Bertel. To support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And for additional readings, go to arbitrarypod.com. Thanks for listening.